I'm coming out, so you'd better get this frame rate started. <laughs> is that is that is that how you're doing? It? Is that the start? <laughs> ordering you to start the frame rate. I don't understand. Oh, you're ordering is. me. I see how it is. You t yes, my liege. When I sing it, it's an order. Do you not know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. That's the rules of your. Abe, you gotta drive me to the airport, my friend. See, now you're fucked. It's a done no, deal. No, I'm really fucked. <laughs> it's a done deal. I gotta get up at 4 a.m. just to get it's your 4 a.m. I'm gonna breathe on your mouth. <laughs> Why are you gonna breathe on? Is that I sang it. I, I regret don't... singing it, but it's locked in All now. Right. You do what you want, man. I always you do. You do what you want. I sometimes yeah. do what I want. How about well, you, man? Meandering opening. How are you doing? I, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. I, yeah, I can't yeah, complain. It's hot. It's hot. It is hot. I'm doing. And better. I don't have an AC at all. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I can say this mm. honestly. I'm doing better now that I watched this movie. I really, really liked it. Really? Yeah. Really. Yes. This is going to be engaging. Comma house like us. Yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, yeah, I want to shout out before please. we do that, that this is uh, yet another pick the flick. Uh, and this one is Zach Shorts. Oh, baby. Oh, Zachy. Oh, Zachy. Another Zach attack. Oh, Zachy. And uh, he asked us that uh, we give a little shout out to Vera, uh, who may be listening to this, because Vera is a friend of Zach's who introduced him to this film. And then he introduced this film to us because I said... We uh, hadn't seen it. And uh, so now, so thank you, Vera. Hi, Vera. And indeed, hi, Vera, if that's how you pronounce it. Either way. I believe he said it's not like. It's not like. It's not Vera because he, because I haven't seen the finale of uh, Mr. Robot, but the way he said he's like, it's like in Mr. Robot, not like Jane's gun and Firefly. And I remember that that was Vera. Okay. So I may be wrong, Perfect. but I'm pretty sure. That it's Vera. Thank you, Vera. Now it's an order. She will verify, I assume. Ha -ha. This whole episode's ha -ha. been verified in a way. And indeed, in way. it is an episode of, you see how I'm reversing the order? Yep. Frame Rate, yep. the show where we rate frames. I'm your host, Michael Swaim. And I'm your other host, Abe Epperson. That's right. And we are indeed talking That's... about The House of Yes, which I bet a lot of people haven't heard of, but I'm super grateful Zach brought it to my attention. I had not seen mm -hmm. this movie or indeed heard of it. And it stars Maggie Mae Fish. I mean, Parker Posey. <laughs> are you kidding me, dude? Did you not think that? Oh, whenever you look at Parker Posey? Is that what you're saying? I had not made the connection before this movie, but I could just not stop thinking of Maggie. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. I did not make that connection. She's. I could see her playing striking, this role. She bears a striking resemblance to Liv Tyler to me. To Liv Tyler. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, but, you know, let's not. This is not the Maggie cast. This, so. Let's not spend too much more time deciding who Maggie looks like. But yeah. But, yeah. Um, so can I give a, a quick recap just so. Please uh, do. Because this please, is a please. deep cut. But I got to say, it's one of my favorite deep cuts, like of the stuff that people have patronized us uh, at the Pick the Flick tier, which we're very grateful for. It keeps the lights on um, and mm -hmm. thrown some movies at us that we nece didn't necessarily plan to cover on our own. This is one of my favorites. This is a, really? a, an unexpected wow. gem for Surprises. me. Yeah. All around. It is a pitch black comedy, a brisk oh, yeah. hour and 25 minutes. 
and uh, written very much in the style of a play, which is probably one of the reasons I like it. Uh, mm. And it, as a lot of well-made plays are, it is about family drama cranked up to 11. It reminded me of uh, a, a favorite dark movie of mine, Festin, which uh, Abe showed me back in college. That's You made me aware <laughs> of that movie, Celebration. Um, and it feel, felt like, well, I'll get into unpacking. But to recap, the uh, essentials of the plot are pretty straightforward. There's a crazy family. You got your mom, who is a crazy, acidic, catty, uh, super elite, uh, you know, like every everything she says is cutting and has immense subtext. And she is basically an enabler to Parker Posey, who plays... Does she have a name other than Jackie O? I guess her name is Jackie O. Um, Yeah, I think Jackie is the character. I think she does have another name, but I forget at. I forget if they divulge her real name, but I don't think they do. Ever since a fateful day, which was the day of the Kennedy assassination, or Mm -hmm. no, it was a party following it because she was dressed in a mocking way about the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. It all gets mixed up in her head because she's crazy, you guys. That's the point, and. she is obsessed with her brother, Marty, and twin. in a her twin brother in a sexual way. And she's also obsessed with the Kennedys. They live near the Kennedys. They're a wealthy family. And she thinks of herself as Jackie O. So she has this weird play that she does, psychosexual play she did with her brother once where she pretends to shoot him and then pretends to be Jackie and like holds his, as he pretends to die. And then they have sex. And uh, they did that in the past. Now he mm-hmm. he's back for Thanksgiving and he brought his fiance Leslie and he wants a normal life, right? He wants to forget all this craziness and mm-hmm. not have this happen again. But that's arguable because why'd he bring her here in the first place? Which is a question and they raise. The whole time when he acts alone with, you know, Parker Posey, he, uh he's he Marty's basically it. he's way leaning into it. it yeah. he, it's so bizarre so i wanted to talk about that he yeah. kind of wants his cake and eat it too like he brings this fiance home to shove in their faces i'm normal i'm not insane i've broken away from our weird family and at the same time he as the second she's out of the room he's like yeah i'll play your weird sex game with you sis uh so at the same time the last character rounding out the cast freddie prince jr in the weirdest mm-hmm. role i've ever seen him in as this like childlike proto-rapist this the son yeah. who is he acts like Forrest Gump almost, but if Forrest Gump was aggressively always just asking you, could we have sex now? Is that okay? Can I have sex with you mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. but then also acting like he's innocent, like I don't know anything. I'm dumb. I'm just like childlike. Could we have I'm sex just now? Ask questions all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fucking weird, dude. It's and fucking weird. He somehow gets Leslie to have sex with him. While the brother's having sex with the sister, they they come downstairs, there's a messy confrontation, and it ends with Parker Posey saying, I will let you leave if you reenact the thing with me one more time. And he says, okay, I'll do it, but it's pretty clear that he knows that she's about to really shoot him in the head this time, and she does. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's you, you nailed it. House of <laughs> you yes. To um, <laughs> so start, so to start us out with like the juicy bits, why uh, why do you think it's called the House of Yes? I figured we could jump over that hurdle quickly and then get to the I real unpacking. Don't, I mean, I feel like there's a double 
meaning that I'm not aware of. Like maybe Jackie O at one point was famously uttered at the House of Yes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if there's another meaning. But the House of Yes to me, if I'm just going to take it literally and examine it with this film, to me means that like there is no the mother and I guess the father who ran away or died. Um, I'm pretty confident he ran away and she, she thinks he died. Yeah. She thinks he died. Yeah, that's what uh, that makes sense to me. Um, is that they're like you said, they're kind of an enabler and their way in which the parents were enablers for both the children and for Freddie P- Prince jr. Both the twins and uh, Freddie Prince uh, who's known as Anthony, who's Anthony. That's mm-hmm. his name. And um <clears throat> I think that what's going on there is that it's actually their lack of the ability to say no, which is weird because they just weren't parents. In fact, early up top, there's a whole conversation about like kind of what it is to be a mother. And they always kind of like almost like a game, like the games that they the the uh, back and forth tete a tete, uh, you know, like language battles that each of the the families do with each other they're each kind of unique um and they're know, all in uh, the classic way that a play is written yeah the drama is all yeah. the fact that no one ever says what they mean everything is subtext do you know what the name for that is because it sounds like because i really wish i had a name i, for I that. think it's like, called a well-made play which doesn't mean a good play no. it's a genre okay. of play called the well-made, well-made play made, and it means play. highly traditional play and yeah has all the hallmarks kind of marx of, brothersy um yeah kind of, i'd call the dialogue yeah. Crackling, I think it crackles. <laughs> uh, like sure thing. Did you ever read Sure Thing? Yes. Or yeah, True West. Yeah. yeah. Ding. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and uh, and heightened language. Like the mother talks like, uh, mm-hmm. well, you mm-hmm. needn't snip at me. I swear, a person asks a civilized question, and a person gets snipped it's, at. It can be a slow yeah. death to die of snipping at you all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Stop saying snip. Incessant with the snipping. Yeah, it's just like, all right, well, you took that out for a stroll. Uh, and, yet but, the, okay. and yet the subtext in every, like, like you mentioned the tete-a-tete and the battle aspect, this is mm. built in such a way that in almost every scene, the subtext is fuck you. Everyone is just saying, right. I destroy so you, fuck you. That's why I assume that the House of Yes is a play on something. Also, House of Yes is typically, like it's a positivity or like a health spa kind of Mm -hmm. concepts you know like it's always done with like house of yes the power of yes Um, and yet it's what if you say yes because one of the resonant lines i really liked was i don't think you're crazy i think you're just spoiled uh right so it's like yeah these and i i think we should get into how it's certainly not the most humane depiction of mental illness like real mental illness but no it's not but great. it is a valid statement about mental illness that if someone has tendencies to harm themselves or others and all you do is enable them it gets worse <laughs> that's that's basically that's, the shape of the thing that's true yeah that's true house of um, yes um do, is that what you think as well? What I spelled out, or do you have a different uh, uh, take on it? I think it's I think it's that Jackie has only been told yes, and in this case, it's showing how mm. the power of positive thinking is not necessarily always a good yeah. thing. And I also, or rather, never been told mm, no is another right. way of saying that. Yeah. And uh, I think there's the double entendre with coming and say, and moaning. Yeah. Oh, the house. Of yeah, yeah, baby. Because yeah. uh, only because. Okay. They love. Like another another payoff line was uh, Leslie says, I didn't even want to come here. And he goes, but you did. 
com meaning you fucked yeah. my brother so the, I, the writer I, that. <laughs> I don't like that line it's way too on the nose but uh you come on the nose but the writer is <laughs> very uh aware of words that sound sexual so i have to imagine house of yes is also just hinting at the sexual aspect mm-hmm. and that was the thing that i so like my one of my main takeaways was wes anderson loves this movie i think Really? From a uh, oh yeah yeah from uh, like what the the play is about? The, yes, uh, I don't mean the stylistic choices. I mean there. I've only dysfunction ever, as a dis, yeah. The the family is dysfunctional in a twee way, uh, mm-hmm. and and yet the core is truly dark. It's really fucked up. It's and very royal royal, royal Tenenbaums. It feels with, very uh, proto Tenenbaums to me. Gwyneth, that, yeah, yeah. And not with Gwyneth Paltrow and mm-hmm. that relationship, you know, like, like, and Luke Wilson's relationship, like, the, it's very like pseudosexual, but also like whimsical and like a, like a, it's whimsical in like a brother sister way because they don't know what they're doing. They're childlike, mm-hmm. uh, so it's like childlike brother and sister as opposed to adult brother and sister, and also mixing the two and how that's kind of weird. Yeah, and yet it's so. the only. Yeah, it's the only. They're the only two incest stories I, I can think of where it's played for both at the same time, where it's, uh, you know, like in Gladiator, when Commodus is interested in incest, that's a big mm. red flag. He may as well be killing his own henchman or kicking a puppy. You're like, that guy's bad. In this yeah. and in Royal Tenenbaums, it actually goes far enough so far as to make you feel weird, like to make you go... There's something innocent and beautiful about their love, but then constantly wait, remind wait, you, yeah, but it's exactly. bad though, but it's incest. But yeah, it's like weird he how does these... his love can kind of heal her for brief moments, but it's weird and bad. It but just, it's weird. Yeah. It's all weird. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, there, there's a, a moment where he takes a, he asks the question to uh, Leslie, who's played by Tori Spelling. Um, and she's kind of, she's the, the woman that uh, the fiance uh, that he brings uh, where after it's all kind of gone horrible uh, and she's kind of found out you fuck your sister and he's like, well, you fuck your, you fucked my brother. Cause this all happens. And that's an to me. I don't understand okay. Leslie's character. Leslie but- really gets the shaft. And I don't mean like horrible things happen to her, which is true. But I also mean she is by far the least, her character is insensible. Like the things she does don't hold together or make she coherent is sense. even more childlike than Freddie Prince Jr. You know, and She's I feel like bizarre. they, it feels like the playwright or screenwriter, sorry, is like figured yeah. out all the plot points and then just made Leslie contort to fit around the plot points. Cause Leslie, well, this was a play. This yeah. was a play before Mark oh, Waters you can wrote tell. it. He wrote the screenplay and directed it. And he, by the way, he's famous for also directing things like Mean Girls and a few other uh, uh, of this era. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's based on The House of Yes by Wendy McLeod. There you go. Uh, you can totally Yale tell it's a play. Theater. Like, yeah, she writes, she's a playwright. Um, but anyway, yeah. It is, he at one point, uh, Marty says and asks a question Is it. Is masturbation like is that a something that is considered like a betrayal? Because how can I? You had sex with my brother, but I had sex with myself, and I'm like, 
You, man, you're really you're stretching, really stretching. For that one, I dude. like. I re- I mean, as because they're twins, as plays tend to be dialogue focused. There's just some good dialogue in this movie and some bad. But mm. I did like. It's like fucking a mirror. That sounds painful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, I don't think you were even supposed to buy for a second. He's just reaching for an excuse, right? That w- I think so. That, I think this is very mm-hmm. strangely enough, just like because it's got Freddie Prince Jr. in it. It's surprisingly like Cruel Intentions, sure. Uh, in that it's like the upper class and like playing with the lower class, like like cat and mouse games where it's like yeah we're all fucked up or like succession have you seen hbo yeah succession? they're like uh, reminds the mom me a is lot firmly of the opinion of we're all fucked up but we're rich so we're still better than you mm-hmm. like they look down on her and it's all it's like it's it's two things one it clearly marty went and sought out a woman that works in like a blue collar job like she's they they keep making fun of her because she works at a donut king, mm-hmm. and they're like, so does that make her the donut queen? And like they make fun of like she smells like powdered sugar and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's one thing is that he's doing that, and we don't learn that until about halfway through the movie. But also, it's just like mo- most of the family is like fuck this donut person, which is just really. Like what? Well, it also, yeah, it reminded me also of a proto Knives Out or a proto You're Next. Yeah, Because exactly. one of, I think, the bravest decisions, especially for a film from that long ago, was Marty is your classic everyman in a play, in a standard play. He would be, you know, like Harold Pinter has plays, a ton of plays like this. Mm-hmm. The standard everyman brings his fiance home for Thanksgiving and his family is deeply fucked up and it fucks everything up. But he's always just a cipher who's there to observe the fuckedness. I thought it was mm. really interesting and it woke me up. You know what I mean? Like as someone who just is so used to the tropes playing out as they always play out 90 percent right. of the time for Marty to be a bad guy like Marty becomes part of the ensemble of the crazy family. He is not really separate from them he's not really a protagonist who's coming in from the outside like you thought he is very quickly ready to sink back into his own mental issues do harm to others do harm to himself and just go for it and i did not see that coming it really it kept me on the edge of my seat it reminded me of uh do you ever see the ref yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. with uh what's his name dennis Dennis leary and uh kevin spacey i think uh, I can't remember. Can't remember think, yeah. who he takes hostage, but um, yeah, it felt like that level of ambition where this movie is not trying to be no country for old men, but it does. It's got right. like it's like I have one or two things to say. I'll show you a good time, and surprisingly to me, those things were very affecting. I felt inc- I felt a lot of dread and tension. I think in part because Parker Posey's performance is excellent, uh, and yes. I and I just felt. I felt like I felt when I watched Festiner Funny Games, and that's quite an accomplishment for such a humble film, I think. Yeah, I mean... Okay, yeah, mm. let's unpack why you didn't like it as much. Because uh, well, it's not that you disliked it, but I've been hearing in your voice that you go, oh, you liked it that much? Oh, you know, yeah, what's that about? Uh, I mean, there's there's stuff to admire, and you you I, I'm glad you started because you extrapolated a, a good tempered version of what um, what we watched. But um, I 
I just don't. It just doesn't work on me. The uh, the old the good old play or whatever you called it, like that uh, that element doesn't really work on me. I don't like that. I, I think we uh, we were talking about it on director piece the other day. Uh, once again, like the Charlie Kaufman's and the Wes Anderson's don't work on me. Uh, I don't like it when it's like. I do admire the tightly written language and I do think that there is cleverness in it, but I think that it's so overwrought and unlike how people actually speak that it pushes me away. I also don't like, I don't like stories about dysfunction in the family. I don't know why that is called psychologist, but, uh, yeah. I do also, you dislike them like they bug you or dislike them? Yeah, like they I bore d- you. Uh, I, I have an uncomfortable uh, mm. viewing experience with Interesting. them. Interesting. Um, and I also think that, um, and that's something that's my cross to bear, man. But also I think because like the incest doesn't bother me. Like these are all good things to tackle, but it's like the, the game oh, you gotta of the language. tackle incest. You gotta, oh, tackle yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, uh, it's the the games of the language and the screenplay that really bothers me. I don't like sure thing. I don't like, I kind of think that there's people who do it really well. I think that there's things like even Abbott and Costello, or as I mentioned, the, the Marx, Marx brothers, brothers and, kill. Yeah. Oh, it kills. Why? Because it's funny and it's clever in a way that it, maybe it's because it's always played for comedy. This it's like trying to stretch for, like realism in some sense. And I'm like, well, no one, I've never met anyone like that at all. Uh, and if I ever did, I'd be like, no thanks. Uh, and that is just how I, I don't know. That's, that's what it comes down to. So I, I'm opening, I'm starting by basically saying, yeah, it's probably my own specific thing, but I do think that they're like, this movie is broken in a lot, in several ways. Um, like just as structurally, uh, and the things that the director did that made me that that bothered me that I was like, that is not good. Structure. Well, that we, is not- we identified that Leslie allows herself to be slowly, essentially date raped for no reason. But what else? Yeah. There, what are the other ones? <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll start with something a little bit small, like small devices of writing that are nonsensical and arbitrary, even if it's done f- because the characters are trying to be portrayed portrayed as such still peeve me Tori spelling has to go downstairs at one point because she just heard that her fiance is fucks his sister now her heel is broken and freddie prince is in the room in order to keep her from witnessing the twins together downstairs says quote i can use super glue to fix it which in turn basically makes a back and forth for a few lines about how long it takes for super glue to fix something. And if it's a viable solution for the fucking shoe, Mm -hmm. why is she doesn't need shoes? Why is the conversation here? Why are we watching? Right. And ultimately she does go, forget it, forget it. You're just trying to stall me. And ultimately it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that is, that is an, a, a, a case of a small beat having that problem. I also think that the plant and payoff done by the director all across the movie is pretty fucked up. Let's look at the gun. I thought the gun plant payoff was weird. I thought that 
obviously I think that movie should be one particular way. So feel free to disagree with me. Everyone. I just thought, <laughs> I thought she actually shot him the first time. I think that that, that was what they were doing because they use the lightning strikes and obscuring details. Like, did he get shot? Like a shot of him shot intentionally the first time when she quote unquote fires a gun. She even said it, it doesn't have any blanks. Bullets. Yeah. When it was fine uh, to make you think that it wasn't, it could have not been that way right so they like kind of hold that reveal a little bit because when we find that marty's asleep with jackie he takes a while to awake the next morning so they really play with you there then when they don't do any plant and payoff within that next 20 minutes like 10 minutes because the gun is just like whisked away by mom when she sees it she's Mm -hmm. like nope the gun that's gotta go literally 10 minutes later jackie has the gun again And I guess we assume it's full of bullets now because it cuts out as the gun fires. And then they seal the deal three seconds later in narration when she hints at burying Marty's body. And Leslie's scream. The final image is Leslie screaming, running out of the house. So you assume she shot him this time. Right. So even though I get the information, Mm -hmm. the plant and payoff system of this, in other words, playing with my heartstrings and be like, did she shoot? Did she not? Much like they did the first time was the same game. The second time they didn't update it. They didn't do anything. There wasn't any actually established way in which I could infer the details. They just did two shock things and then explained to me after. And that is just like, well, that's not, showing man that's That's true coming from such a directorial standpoint i'm just imagining how effective it would be as a play because if you had if you just if you developed the idea that these twins reenact the kennedy assassination and then you have her do it and it live in front of you you're not sure if they're acting like he was really shot or acting like it's a blank and Mm -hmm. he's just acting Mm -hmm. and there's a long silence where he slumped over and then his head comes up and he's like i was just acting that's very impactful as a live experience, it but it loses a lot the on first film. time. Yeah, yeah. It also loses. A, it, yeah, but there's uh, that one, holdover effect. Like them, they play a full length piano medley, and on film, I would argue it's boring. It hurts the pacing, and it does not add. Yeah, it does a little if bit. If you saw the but, actors actually play piano live in front of you, it would be a show in and of itself, right? You'd be at a play, and you'd be like, bonus! True. Good piano playing is happening also. Now they're actually... I got people in front of me doing <laughs> piano. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that's fine. I think that is... But you're right that the... That's not why I hate the it. The person adapting That's not why I hate that trope. The person adapting the thing can fix those problems it, it wasn't I very it was clumsily have. adapted to film that's true that's that's my argument so that's that's kind of so it's this two things coming at me one i can't help but look at things as a director and it's not that well directed <laughs> two it's not my you know it's not my cup of tea in terms of like what i prefer to watch and listen to and what i think makes a compelling movie I just don't care for... I didn't think that the dialogue was good enough to warrant that highfalutin language and that kind of like putting it on almost like language as an abstraction level conversations. Um, I know it's all in character. I know it's like a way in which we portray the aristocracy. Um, It works on me on something like Succession, but even Succession, I'm like... 
the cool thing about like succession is that they do they actually portray them as like real people with real problems um so there's a little bit of down to earthness or being taken down a peg that goes along with it that i guess that is enough because then that that to me is that's the engine of like yeah yeah fuck these people so when i get to witness it i'm like yeah yeah, yeah i got what i wanted out of this tv show out of this i'm like I understand that it's different because it's a movie and it's not a TV show. So I don't need a reproducible like event to occur, mm-hmm. but it is really something that I'm just like, well, I want to enjoy the, like, I want to enjoy the walls of the house. I want to look up and go, Oh, that's a good color. That's good. That's good. That's good. This is a nice place to be. Is and it, so when I think, sorry, what? no, 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 finish. Go on. No, I'm just like taking it home. Just like, so when I think of a good film, I just don't think of the stuff that this film is doing. You took it home so hard, bro. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to ask, because recently on what we consider our sister network, Gamefully Unemployed, Jason Parjan, a.k.a. David Wong, did a spiel that I thought was very insightful, as he's want to be, about uh, how, gosh, not Poe, Poe's Oscar Isaac. Uh, uh, there's Poe, there's Ray, and who's the third Star Wars? <laughs> Finn, 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 John Boyega. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was saying Finn grew up as a stormtrooper, which is essentially a death cult whose culture was originally like designed by clones of Django Fett. And now there's like the legacy of that culture is now what you are. You're not a clone, but you were raised in essentially this Nazi death cult. And then he Uh, escapes and he's immediately crack and wise in very vernacular language like the rebels do, like anyone would in 2020, just talking, just regular talking. You know, he knows what birthdays are. He has all the normal. Which means means he's been talking with his clone buddies this way. He must have you know yeah and then like it's almost as if he thought that was a major weakness that it's almost as if the character's backstory never comes to bear it doesn't matter it doesn't affect him or the way he acts or talks so my question is isn't that the flip side of the like his argument would almost be finn should have talked weirder he should have talked more like a stormtrooper he should it should have drawn attention to his manner of speech by being weird and odd um, I wonder if there's a good rule of thumb for when to do that and when not to do it. Cause, uh, at peak behind the curtain, Abe and I are currently co-writing a spec script as we are at any given time, but this one is a period piece and we've had to tackle that. And it's such an interesting process for each project where you're like, this takes place in, let's say Renaissance times, but I'm making it in 2020. Do they talk like 2020 people? Do they talk exactly like people actually talked in Renaissance times, which is near indecipherable to the modern year? Or do they, Mm -hmm. where in the middle do you land? How do you decide something like that when it comes to a creative project? What are your words of wisdom around that? Like when Um, should people talk like them, like abstract, you know? (laughs) I think that my barometer for that, and I know you're, because I know you, you're kind of looking for an answer that is uh, like, well, what's what's the magic? What's the kind of um, what's the criterion that allows us to know, like from an approach of a screenwriter looking at the content? When is it? Some, when is it, When are the acceptable scenarios or based off of what does taking the slider all the way to the fancy side? What impact yeah. does that have on the mind versus taking it all what, the way to the vernacular side? What are the tools? What, what grouping of elements? Yeah. What grouping of elements allow me to go? This is a good choice. And I'd say that that there's no that. 
but I would say that my criterion would be like a little bit more abstract, but twofold. And it's basically comes down to two things. It comes down to the quality of the writing. If it's good writing, then you could probably sell anything uh, because you can just make, you know, like if it's really re- like think of uh, fear and loathing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the whole thing is his speech patterns and the way in which they interpret the world and the fact that it's voiceover with narration. It now literally formalistically is all entirely his speech. It's a stream of consciousness. So that's my other criterion, which is does is the writing so good that it determine it, it is justifiably loud. And what I mean by that is it like, does it carry over the movie as like almost every scene, you know? Well, if it's that good, that's your movie. Um, so like, congratulations, one, you are Mark Twain or Hunter S. Thompson. You, you are, you yeah, are exactly. someone who has a very unique way of, you of can, writing. you can fucking hold it up. Yeah. You can, you can hold it up. You know, you, you got it. Um, I think that if so, there's, you're going to introduce a character who's very out there. I was just talking to uh, uh, Dave, and they just, again, to bring up Gameplay Employee because you remind me of him, mm-hmm. uh, they did a Tron Legacy one. And, like, why is it that Michael Sheen just feels perfect in Tron Legacy? And I think it's because everyone is so emphatically one thing. And then he comes in and he's like fucking Prince. <laughs> and he just kills everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you didn't know at the at that time that what you were missing from Tron Legacy was Michael Sheen as Prince. But you got it and you loved it. And the reason why is because the screenwriter was like, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to like this. And they were right. So like, no, there is no criterion. It is. Is it pleasant? And I think there's. I think the loudness and the quality are good variables because it's like sometimes you just don't want it. Why? Because it just doesn't feel right. Like it's like, when do you decide what criterion do you use when you go like in my comedy, when do I not tell a joke? Right. Well, some yeah, it's more write, like it's, it's never like all. It's never about trying to find the right answer. It's about because there can't be a right answer. It's about finding no. out what does this box do? What does this lever do? So I'm just saying like as a writer, the way I try to think about it is if I do make the dialogue continuously more and more abstract, what effect does it have on the piece and how it will be imbibed? Like, does it make you more likely to be cerebral over emotional? Does it make you more like, you know, I try to figure out what, does the bag of tricks, what are the side effects of this pill being yeah, whatever? Yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm probably being a little harsh on you for saying, you know, you're looking for this. I, you know, it's true. You're, you're, you're just kind of asking about the, the box, but as, I, but I, yeah, but what we talk about all the time, what does it do? Uh, That's why I think it, I think it's, I think there's something true about the cerebral emotional thing, or I find that when mm. language is extremely heightened, I'm invited to not, for obvious reasons, not imagine myself as that person, not take it realistically as a, as a work of empathy, but to think of it as an, as an architectural work of writing. And that makes sense that it's not up your alley, but it totally is mine because I agree with you that I experienced this as a script. It, it's, it screams, I've been assembled. No one talks like this. Mm-hmm. These are words mm-hmm. in sequence. But I'm a writer, so I get off on it like, ah, oh, that one was clever. Oh, I see what you did there. I like that little bit of writing. And then uh, and then I agree. There were some misses. But uh, 
Cracklin. I keep going back to the word Cracklin. Cracklin. I'm going to sell this movie, you guys. It's going to be a hit retroactively. To me, I'd much rather something like, obviously, like The Wire or something where it's like... um, Well, that crackles too. Jeez, yeah. But that's like verisimilitude, right? That's something that feels like it's true because it's of a certain quality. Even something like Game of Thrones with a, you know, like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff still works. They speak, uh, I think in, yeah, yeah, they speak that that's as loud as like the way that they're speaking in house of yes. There's no doubt about it. They're speaking medieval times, you know, like it's a period piece. Kind yes. Of. But period kind of buys you that also when you appeal to class instead, I think you have yeah. to be even better and, and a more careful observer of humans because when you say, well, rich people talk like this and it's different from how we talk. I mean, we've all met some rich people. We haven't met medieval wizards. So it's easier to go, well, I've met some rich people. They don't talk this abstractly. Mm, That's fair. Uh, Whereas a medieval wizard, I could be like, I guess that's how medieval wizards talk. I believe you. Yeah, but (laughs) there is a strong indication of what medieval wizards sound like based off other movies. So there is a zeitgeist that Ah, with it comes a definition. But that's key. It's from other movies, not historical research. Like I'm fully convinced in my head, right? I have, and I don't mean dialect like an accent with my voice, I mean writing-wise, a way that I think cowboys talk, a way that I think samurais Mm -hmm. talk, a way that Mm -hmm. I think people Mm -hmm. talked in Elizabethan times, and a way that I think people talked in uh, medieval times, and a way I think people wrote letters in Civil War times. And I bet if I did enough research... I would realize all of those conceptions are from films, none of which are directly from, or very few of which are oh, from absolutely. first-hand material. Yeah. I, absolutely. I think that it, at best, it's specious. Uh, and that's still valid to me because it's what it is. That's why the power of the zeitgeist to me is that the fact that we do know and have the shared quality of speaking assigned to roles and things that we see as familiar it feels like okay that, those two things make sense yeah 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 yeah. they speak yeah medieval times everyone speaks in a british accent why uh that's not even true there's no way that that's true uh it's just not how it historically was i just was. love that we're all like but it just feels right yeah but it just feels it right true and it's entirely specious yet i would totally praise uh, something that came along like a, a story that came along that was I, I know that like uh, there's like Norsemen have you seen that that's like a comedy mm. it's or kind of a Viking yeah it's yeah well no I mean that one's a comedy so it works more okay. it plays with the language it plays with like modern appeal but like kind of like we, we did with the stuff that must have happened franchise mm-hmm. at cracked that that kind of thing um, but like Ultimately, I, I don't know. Well, it, it, it works you, great for comedy because comedy is it works al- great for comedy. Comedy yeah. is already asking you to not be emotional. If you connect emotionally and use empathy on most comedy, it f- is less funny. True. Uh, there True. are exceptions like, you know, Nanette, that special. It was so revolutionary because it relied on empathy to make the jokes work. There is a mm. lot of humor that mm. relies on empathy. But by and large, classic setup punchline works better if you're thinking with your thinky think, not feeling with your love right. dub. Feely, feely. Yeah. 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 I guess that's fair. And so I, I think fair. comedy's arch language is more at home in a comedy. It all, the mom really reminded me of Lucille Bluth, I got to be honest. 
I just yeah, I got yeah. a lot of vibes off this movie of other movies that I and things I like. Like uh yeah, like mm-hmm. I said, it reminded me of Knives Out a bit. It reminded me of Your Next a bit. And uh to me those are points in its corner given that it predates all of them pretty handily. That's true. That's true. It's 97, which is pretty early for this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it reminds I, me a lot of we another th- thing we covered Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead it's very mm-hmm. Stoppard-esque Heathers it's um, like if Rosencrantz and Guildenstern met Heathers essentially yeah exactly um, yeah it's just that there's just I don't and I think you know what I mean by this I don't like when I when I mention Charlie Kaufman who's also great at what he does I'm not gonna decry uh, the him best f- yeah, he's so he's so smart, so mm-hmm. good, and it's very clever. All of what he does, very clever. But here, I see I see stuff like him in this movie when it's like Freddie Prince Jr. saying like, "Can I see your knees? Tell me about the first time you had sex." I think I have a brain tumor. These three sentences are said within four seconds of each other it's so hard to follow the dialogue in the movie it's like word salad sometimes and what's weird is that leslie goes along with it like "Uh uh-huh and that's your next line that makes sense and you're like why does that make sense to you (laughs) she's absolutely dumbfounding Uh, i don't understand her she's outside the family so it's weird that the writer would make her exactly like anthony you know who's also a child um because she's like she's talking about like her period as like the visitor and she's like he he no oh i can't she's been like when they're like when he's asking very predatory questions and they seem to make it the implication is she has an overwhelming need to be polite and not make a scene but i gotta say i don't know anyone who can take that that far he sits right he sits on your bed he gets closer and closer to you he puts his hand on your leg and starts saying tell me about when you lost your virginity you wouldn't go Oh, to be polite, I'll pretend that's a surface level question and go, well, I lost my virginity on this date. You would go, why do you ask that? This is making me very uncomfortable. I mean, come on. Anyone would. It's not. That's, you don't have to be I, I woke mean, that's to think my Leslie's crazy. <laughs> like, Leslie's I think that's my weird. assumption. I mean, like, he's not overly aggressive, but he is also he's, his energy is is real fucked up and yeah. i i could i could imagine that someone would be like oh i don't know this guy's crazy he could do anything so i'm gonna play nice but her performance doesn't suggest that either she is entirely honest and genuine she's not like i don't see any there's no at least the director's not doing her any favors if tori spelling herself was trying to present that mm-hmm. as like Oh no, she's she's feeling victimized and she is like trying to just get out of this situation because she doesn't know what can happen. And so she is just playing by his rules. Like if that was a decision made by the actor, uh, then well, the director fucked up. But I don't even think Tori Spelling is doing that. I think she's just genuinely like I'm meeting them more well, than gosh. halfway. I felt tense during that scene because I was projecting that onto her. Like I decided that's what was going on. But uh, you're right that I'm doing some of the work for them for sure. She yeah, doesn't play it I, that way. She does not. She plays she it plays like it. she literally can't pick up the creepy vibe he's putting down. And you're like, do you not sense the room? Like, do you not sense she the energy plays in the room? Every scene, like she has zero object permanence. It's bizarre. And he does too, to some extent. Marty, yeah. Like, or, or do you mean Anthony? Yeah. I mean, Anthony. I mean, they're all kind yeah. of shades of something, but like, 
that's what bothered me about Tori Spelling. Not that as a character, she's completely dumbfounding and that is against the movie. You can have a weird character. That's fine. But it's the fact that everyone's kind of cut from the same cloth, even though they are doing like a rich poor gap thing. Mm. Like she seems to be fine with the fact that everyone else is word salad. Like she tries to play along, but she just can't hang. Yeah. And of course, There's, I do yeah. think it's fair to knock it if you want to knock it for like if you're someone who struggles with borderline personality disorder, which I think is in the ballpark of what Parker Posey's going through. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't you I'm you know, I'm sure you could knock the movie for being an uncharitable examination of of uh mental illness and it is yeah there's violence i don't know how to balance that because i'm i've struggled with mental illness and when it does cause you to have a propensity to harm yourself or others then that is dark and like it's valid to make fiction about darkness and challenges but of course there's a level where you're just like look at the crazy person Ooh, (laughs) um so and this movie is there's a little bit of leering there's a little bit of that leering that is uh kind of inevitable and with the like you were mentioning the twee directors as well Mm -hmm. like um wes anderson kind of does it too you know he doesn't do full-on mental awareness he almost romanticizes mental illness yeah Yeah. when you look at margo i think we're gonna find that problematic in, in 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 some time because I think that there's something about like it's the magic pixie dream girl, but it's also like you're right. It's the dark, she, gritty reboot of a manic pixie dream girl is what it it's is. It's like we. It's the fact that like society thought it was cute for a while for people to do things like self harm mm-hmm. and stuff because the world doesn't understand them and that's tied tied intrinsically to the artist and therefore romantic like romanticizable um, because it's, and he's oh, taking yeah. advantage of that it's part of his identity so he romanticizes it because we all romanticize our own facets. but then at the end he he puts a good twist on it you know he's not an idiot he's um you know a no, lot of these directors will make with... it like oh it's a positive message she, she yeah. got over it and stuff like that so the results are different but it's like uh but you also did l- ma- like play elliot smith over it again uh, an artist who killed himself, you know, mm-hmm. like there because of depression, they, right. there's a lot going into this. Don't act like it's just something that you can put on a poster and it looks really pretty. So I wonder what's um, the more yeah. genuine take. Like, it's interesting this, you're right. The results yeah. are so different. I'm sure this is the incestuous twins. And in the end they decide to go for it and it ends with one of them dead. So they did not tack the happy ending on. I'll be honest. I didn't think it was going to go that dark based on the tone throughout, which I think Mm. oftentimes dark comedies that go very dark at the end. I think that's one of the reasons it got like middling reviews and sort of overlooked by time. People don't like that experience. People don't like when there's a dark comedy and at the end it goes extra dark. (laughs) I, yeah, I like that, it because I like to feel weird, but a lot of people don't like to feel weird. It's funny because I thought, um, so we're like five minutes away from the ending of the movie and I'm in my head, I'm like, all right, so this is what they're going to do. She's going to shoot because she's going to plead for another. They're going to replicate the thing again mm-hmm. for one one last time. And she's either going to shoot him or she's not. <laughs> or she's going to shoot herself, I thought. 
Oh, okay. I didn't even think of that contingency. I actually I was like, think that would be a both. very reasonable thing from her fractured point of view because he he refuses to stay with That's, her and she doesn't want to live without him. I could say because I haven't considered it fully, but like as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, that's that's immediately something I would consider. I should have considered. Yeah. But I thought the movie was going one of two ways and both of them felt unsatisfactory to me. And the ending that happened felt unsatisfactory. Well, I think because Marty also becomes lost in the machinations of the family. So you have no. It's a weirdly structured, broken movie, so intentionally saying- so. Like, he doesn't change because... Or his change is from somewhat recovered to backsliding. Like, his change is negative. Yeah, who really does change? Um, I guess he is the one that changes. It's just a tragedy, but I guess, not a comedy, structurally. Well, sure. Yeah, it's a black comedy, so yeah. Um, yeah, so no one's... I mean, his change is that he, he, th- he allows something which is just like not very conflict like not 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 utilizing a conflict very well for um a story. I mean, I get the plainness of it cuz there's many plays that are like what's the conflict? Well, just kind of the decision to go through with something or not to go through something is most answers. Yeah. To not go I mean, through something and let something passively it- wash over you is an an example of a story. It's just not very engaging for film. Right. Have you ever read The Children's Hour? No. Reminded me of this. I just think, yeah, plays play a lot more on the conceptuality of it all because they have to, right? Because they can't control your eye. So you're supposed to be ruminating on how tense and how weird you feel and rather than yeah you get the difference between plays and movies but I, I think it's always valid especially for a lover of film and a director of film to say I wish they had done more to adapt this into a film than just film the play. I think that's a valid critique. Uh, I had that critique of Fences. Great play. The movie was very competently done, but there was no no reason to make it a... It didn't need to be a movie. You know, intrinsically, they didn't do anything that elevated it above needing to be a play. I admire... Well, you're going to have more to say there? No, no, no. Just breathing. I admire the... um stylistic approach and the choice of Jackie O as a kind of kind of tortured figure because very popular like we all know all the competing aspects of what makes Jackie O Jackie O Mm -hmm. I was kind of confused about the choice of using Jackie O as like kind of the vehicle for Parker Posey's Parker Posey's character uh, in this because like what does it offer what is the what is the unique things that what elements of Jackie O? I know she's tied to death. Uh, I know she's in tied to elegance. I know that she, you know I there's think a lot that's the going on. Of is or the only two I pulled was rich, perfect family, but tragedy stalks them and they're ultimately doomed. So that's but what she Parker wasn't Posey the cause is. of this tragedy. She was a bystander. That's see, that's actually tragedy. what I think is the weakest thing in the movie is that when they reenact it, she plays Oswald or whoever you think shot JFK. Just she plays the, the world, shooter yeah. and she plays Jackie O. Why is she the shooter? I never why understood she why she inhabits the role of the shooter in her fantasy. Right. In her fantasy, she's a murderer too. Maybe she doesn't think about that, but clearly it's the both. Otherwise, they can just act like they're 
Well, dude, I mean, Annie. he acts like he's the normal one, but it's just as weird to get off on pretending to be Kennedy and get shot in the head. Why does he get off on that? Right. It's just as uh, aberrant or unusual. I mean, honestly, they just get off on each other. They're just. That's they just like their pantomime before they're allowed to have sex, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I love that the mother says like what like she she says it like it's an old saying and like it's it's not at all like an old saying uh she's like like what is it they they say you know like uh they're each other's forever because like when they came out of the womb she was grabbing his penis yeah when they were <laughs> born like, her hand was no on his penis that. it's in a medical journal somewhere yeah it's no one says that look it up no one says, look it up yeah, when twins do that, that means they're meant to be together. <laughs> that means they're meant to get it on. It's too yeah. late. May it's as well sing it. Uh, <laughs> did you... So let me ask you this, because you excitedly showed me Festin, and you said you don't really enjoy... Uh, the Celebration, you mean? The Celebration, like, uh, yeah. Festin yeah. is, the, I think, the, the title I think in whatever the, language yeah. it is in. By uh, Thomas Vinterberg. Austrian? German? Um, anyway, celebration, the celebration is the English translation, but yeah, movie yes. about a, uh, kind of a similar vibe. No comedy whatsoever though. Family gets right. together. Revelations are had. It ruins the family. You showed me that in college and it always stuck with me cause I love fucked up dark family drama movies. Oh, you, it's fucking you said they don't float great. your boat. How can you like Festin? It's the darkest, most fucked up one I'm aware of. That's an, I think that one, because it, that one, because it feels so real. I also like Magnolia, you know, like, um, sure. dysfunction, uh, dysfunctional characters don't bother me. It's that you got to do it right. And, uh, I think that Vinderberg knows what dysfunction is. Ooh, does, uh, I, I think he knows there's something about the, like, to take a line from a less, uh, uh, a less impressive film like the barbaric yelp of like the main character of celebration mm -hmm. using his toast to essentially antagonize the person that he's toasting in such a visceral cutting way is more real to me of like something that is in the capacity of something like that's how families will like air out their dirty laundry then the the things that we see in Wes Anderson's or like the House of Yes, where it's like, it's just a it's just a thousand stabs where every the, day. Yeah, the moms just like Pennsylvania. What I wanna, isn't that a state people just fly over to get other places? Shit right. like that. Or like, and I love that. So I need a film that kind of does both. I yeah, sure, show me that. Show me the dysfunction, the day to day dysfunction. But also, like in Punch Drunk Love, show me where he absolutely just breaks, punches the mm -hmm. uh, the gl glass door. You know, like I need to see that. Like, nope, stop. This is now happening. I don't know what it is about dysfunction. Dysfunction needs to break in order for me to have catharsis. Um, and by break, I mean that someone has to like, I can't just continuously you be want a, seeing dysfunction as you dysfunction want and just like, you want the story to be about the, the ultimate end of the cycle, not just the continuum of otherwise what yeah. that's what makes me uncomfortable. If it just leaves it out there. I mean, I'm Marty's like, dead. No, nope, nope, it's, it's too real. It's too real. Uh, I need it to break. Uh, okay. Because I think that, yeah, so maybe that's it. And like I said, 
uh, there's probably psychological reasons but, for that, and I should see a therapist. But, Mar- but whatever. But Marty, yes, you should. But Marty is dead at the end. That the cycle is broken. Wouldn't you argue this was the final iteration for the House of Yes? Uh, yes, but we don't see. We're not seeing it from the perspective of Parker Posey. You're just seeing her as a. Uh, she is akin of nature. She is just like the man on the grassy knoll. She's Oswald, like you said. She is a force of nature that essentially acts upon the movie at her whim. We don't witness her pushing back against nature like someone like uh, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love uh, because nature is not allowing him to be himself no, no, or yeah. any number of things. We're not with her in the storm. She is the storm. She is the storm. You're right. Yeah. And that's, that's I think, what I was picking up on when I said it doesn't treat mental illness particularly empathetically because uh, mm. she is just the threat. She's just crazy. She is just a threat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, about time to wrap up. But uh, I know you take better notes than me. Did you have any final thoughts? No, I think we uh, – the only thing that I wanted to mention is like it, – I actually, it, was more, it was more important to me that I mentioned this when I thought you were going to – not like the movie as well, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you liked it. I did. This was bought for $2 million by uh, Aaron Spelling of the Spelling Company. Sure. AKA Tori Spelling's dad. Makes sense. So this was a vehicle for Tori Spelling, and she won a Razzie for this. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is surprising because it is not a good vehicle for anyone. Leslie is the worst part by far. But also take a moment and think about probably Tori Spelling was the one who wanted to make this and he was probably like yeah okay like she was probably on board and found it wow. and saw it maybe not I'm extrapolating a lot but right. the spelling uh, the spelling family has a lot like if you just do a little bit of research mm-hmm. into it and I'm kind of obsessed with it now it started with the watching in this movie just researching that family it's 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 wild, man. You can see uh, why this spoke to I her. can see why this spoke to someone. Interesting. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah. And the implications of if that was true are kind of like, oof, rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like there's something there. There's something For there. sure. I think, well, they were lucky to get Parker Posey in that role. I do think she, she elevates she, the movie. She kills it. She kills it. And Freddie Prince Jr., both Tori Spelling and Freddie Prince Jr. are, they don't have a lot to work with. So, like, I, I can't say that they're just the worst actors here. It's just hard to play that role because they're basically playing dummies. Leslie's like role dumb sucks. Children. Yeah. Yeah. It's a she, bad it just role. really sucks. So, I'm not going <laughs> to put that all on her, you um, know, like, at her feet. Yeah. Uh, so, that's it. That's, yeah. And I just say if you do like. Uh, dysfunctional intimate family portraits like wrist cutters or running with scissors or uh, Tannenbaum's vibes. Uh, check it out. House of Yes. Overlooked. House of Yes. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. Thanks again, uh, Zach and Vera. Yeah, Zach been... and Vera. Yeah. It took me right back, right? right back to college days. Mm-hmm. I'm watching Festin. Yeah. I'm listening to Zach and Sarah. <laughs> I'm listening to Zach and Sarah. <laughs> Jerking off we're more, at our old, more we're often at our old than place. I do now. Yeah. We're at our old place, Via Real Czar in San Diego. Oh, yeah. Eating I'm California right burritos from Roberta's mm. number two, Danger Burritos. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Experimenting with weed and cameras. <laughs> there we are. That's, That's right. That's a sode. Eating That's rabbit, Brian would 
go to fucking oh, yeah. Bristol Brian Farms and get cook up a rabbit. <laughs> we all make fun of him because Bristol Farms is for like rich people. And he's like, yeah, but what, you can't get rabbit anywhere else. I'm like, why the fuck do you want to eat rabbit? Why do you want to eat rabbit? He's like, taste he's it. like, I don't like, know, man. Have you eaten rabbit? <laughs> it's fine. Tastes like chicken. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I have that experience on my, in my, under my, uh, <laughs> I got that now. That's mine. Yeah. You don't have that. I was like, I'll share some of your rabbit just so I know what rabbit tastes like. Man, did I ever tell you one time uh, Dan O'Brien and I were out schmoozing with a producer as you do, and it led nowhere mm-hmm. as it as it usually does. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, at the lunch, Dan ordered rarebit because he wanted to try rabbit. And I also mm-hmm. thought I, I made the same assumption, but rare bit is just like a cheese dip or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but it has nothing to do with rabbit. He just got oh. a random plate of like a goop. <laughs> and he's just like, what is this? He didn't say anything or did he say something? At no, of course the... he leaned into it. He was like, what did they blend the rabbit or I thought this was rabbit. Uh, he yeah, outed yeah, himself. Was... Of course. Mm-hmm. Good. That's yeah. He knows how to yes. roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah. You got it. You got it with that. When you, when you, make an offer like that when you mm-hmm. go with the rare bit you're gonna be like i'm in this now yeah <laughs> people are looking about how this is gonna resolve yeah i don't even know what rare bit is i didn't know that let's had look anything it up to do with it's welsh rabbit. i know that that'll be our last bit of information don't say we never taught you nothing rare bit welsh rare bit it's a savory sauce of melted cheese and various other ingredients served hot poured over slices of toasted bread it's just cheesy bread. It's just cheese bread. It's cheese bread. And he was expecting like fondue. He was expecting a cooked rabbit. That's just funny to me. Is it because <laughs> rare bit sounds like rabbit? Why do they call it rare bit? The word rare bit is a corruption of the word rabbit, Welsh rabbit, <gasps> being first recorded in, ni- in 1725, and the variant Welsh rare bit being first recorded in 1785 by Francis Gross. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, Welsh rare bit is an etymologizing alteration the word rarebit has no other usage in any language other than in the phrase welsh rarebit <laughs> wow all right i it well, doesn't explain why they call dish. cheese on toast rabbit but okay well now i want some rarebit <laughs> it's delicious it's like a beer cheese it looks good on toast yeah yeah it sounds good all right let's do it let's go make well, some rare bit all right buddy i'll be over in five. all right i'll breathe in your mouth soon my friend mm, uh, yes everyone don't cool. breathe in each other's mouths stay safe mm. patronize us if you're so moved we'd love to keep doing this even more and thank you to zach again for the pick yeah thanks 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 we love you love you <laughs> This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!